Thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Church podcast. We are a church that is committed to building better lives. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live at our weekly Sunday service. Judges chapter 6, continuing our series called Frontlines, Frontlines. Lord, I thank you. You're here. I feel you, God. Speak to us tonight. God, as we open up your word, Lord, let us hear from you in Jesus' name. This is what it said. Judges chapter 6, verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak tree in Ophrah. And this land belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So the Israelites are living under the oppression of the Midianites. The Midianites have come in and they've destroyed their land. Uh, they've taken over, and it's, it's just a bad deal. And so Gideon is found in a wine press, found threshing wheat. So he's, he's hidden away, and he, here he is. He's, he's found threshing wheat. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, watch this now, the Lord is with you. And what does he call him? Mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. You might underline that. I'm going to skip to verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Now listen to his response. He says, Pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, And I am the least in my family. And watch what the Lord said to him. The Lord said, I will be with you. I will be with you. God, touch this word tonight. Open up every ear. Open up every heart. Open up every mind to receive of your word. Change us. Challenge us. In Jesus' name. Come on. And everybody said amen and amen. So we've been in a a five-week series called Frontlines. And in this series, God has really challenged us to to take our place on the front lines of the spiritual battle. I talked a little bit in week one where I felt like us as a church, us as a people, had been hit and attacked starting late August, early September, that an attack just came against our church. And we kind of took some months to regather ourselves and and filter through some of the the hit that we had taken. And I just knew that the beginning of the year was the time that we would declare war on the enemy and say, no, we're taking it back to him. And I believe that this 21 days of prayer, although we do it, you know, this is something that we do every year, but I believe even more so this year that it was very strategic and how God wanted us to go on the offensive And take it back to the enemy and and take some of the things that had been taken back from us. And so we strategically put this fast as, okay, we're going on the offensive. Because we know that there's a real enemy in the world and that his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Everything that God has instituted and created, that's what he wants to do. Steal, kill, destroy. The marriage, what does he want to do? He wants to steal, kill, destroy. Our kids, he wants to steal, kill, destroy. The church, he wants to steal, kill, destroy. 
because we are doing something in the city of Frisco, because we are doing something in North Dallas, because people are being saved, because 40 people were baptized in our first year, Satan goes, I want to put a stop to what's happening at Restoration Church. So we put a mark on us. That's okay, because we can fight back. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But it's our job as a church to hold back the darkness, to pray, to intercede, to fast, to raise the standard, and to win the lost out of the grips of hell. These are some of the things that we've talked about in this series. Tonight, what I want us to do is I want us to look at the story of Gideon. And I've been holding on to this message since the beginning and really even kind of fighting. I, I, I shifted it a couple of times during the message because I was like, no, I want to I end with this. But it's been one of those messages that's been burning in my heart to preach. Because when we look at the story of Gideon, what we find is a man that was minding his own business. We find just a farmer that is trying to take care and provide for his family. And here he is, he's, he's hidden away, the Bible says, in a wine press, and he's threshing the wheat or preparing the wheat and getting it ready for his family. He's hiding away from the Midianites because they've come through and everything they find, they take, they steal, they, they kill. They're just like the enemy that we're fighting against. Their whole purpose was to kill, steal, and destroy. And so Gideon is hiding away and this angel of the Lord appears to him. And the angel of the Lord, he says these words. I love it. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon was nothing but a, a lowly farmer. He was just trying to survive. But what God didn't realize, or what God, Gideon, excuse me, didn't realize, is that he was about to receive a visit from God that would change his whole life. He was about to receive a visit and a call from God that would change his, his entire projective. He would go from a farmer, he would go from surviving to thriving. He would go from hiding out to the front lines. And, and you know, I would call us out of hiding tonight and say, look, we're not going to hide as a church. We're going to stand on the front lines of our city and we're going to fight for the hurting and the broken and the lost and the addicted and the broken and the downtrodden. We're going to take our place in our city and we're going to be on the front lines. We're not going to hide away. Because we realize that God has placed a call on us as the church. I would say to you, it's not the time to hide or simply survive. Now is not the time to just get by. Now is the time to not do just the least or the bare minimum. Now is the time that we fight and we do battle. We're not just going to survive but we're going to thrive. In fact, I love the way that Jesus said it. Jesus said that we're going to have life and life more abundantly. He didn't come and die just so we could have life to where we just kind of barely get by and we worry if we're, you know, are we going to be able to overcome this? Are we going to be able to, you know, provide or whatever? No, 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 no. God said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And I believe that as we fast, as, as, as we have prayed, and as we have declared war on the enemy, we have gone on the offensive and decided not just to sit back and take what the enemy has given, but we are hitting back with the weapons that God has crafted for us to tear down the strongholds and the principalities of darkness in our world. 
Because I I don't want to live under the rule of the enemy. Come on, anybody else? I don't want to live under the rule of the enemy. I don't want to live oppressed. I don't want to live pressed down. I don't want to live struck down. But I want to live and I want to walk in victory. The enemy has been given. Come on, somebody say given. The enemy has been given into our hands. So there's four things. If you're taking notes, either by pen or if you're using the app, notes are available in the app. I want you to write this down. The first point is this. Because before we are able to truly walk in our call, the first thing that we have to do is we have to receive the call. We have to receive the call. Notice Gideon was, he was just out, you know, being a farmer, doing what farmers do. He was doing his best to, provide and to take care of his family and the Lord shows up and the Lord calls him he doesn't show up and say the Lord is with you mighty farmer does he he doesn't say the Lord is is with you no he calls him by a new name he said the Lord is with you mighty warrior and in that moment with one word he changes his destiny With that word, when he speaks over him, the purpose of his life becomes completely different. And I don't know about you, but I remember the moment that God spoke that word over me. And when that word spoke, it changed the direction and the outlook of my life. And I wonder what God would want to show up and say to you in your life if you would be willing to open your ears and just hear what God wants to say to you. What is it that God wants to speak to you tonight? Because I'm sure Gideon, I'm not sure, I I know that Gideon was caught off guard even by his response because his response, he couldn't even believe it. He's like, mighty warrior. Don't you see that I'm, I'm hidden out? Don't you see that I'm hidden away? Don't you see that I'm hiding from the enemy? And he says this back to the angel in response to what he said. He said, pardon me, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. How many times has God said something to you, and that's been our response back to him? That he came to us with a plan and with a purpose. And because we didn't believe that we could do what he said that we could do, what we did is we just sat on the dream, we sat on the promise, we sat on the word, and we never put action to it. And it's one thing to hear a word and another thing to receive a word. Because we can be hearers of the word all day long and not be doers of the word. But the Bible teaches us that we're not only to be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of the word. It does us no good to show up to church and, re- and, and hear a word, but not receive a word. And my prayer is that every week when we walk in church, we don't come in just to hear the word, but we come in to receive the word. And that's why notes are even important because when you take notes, you go home and you open those notes and you begin to even like digest that, that word that God spoke to you even more. Because here's what I find. Here's what I find. I could be preaching a word about Gideon tonight. 
And, and the Lord could begin to speak to you about Moses or somebody else in the Bible. You, God just drops something in your heart, and you just write down, Moses did the same thing. Moses couldn't believe the word of God. And you go home tomorrow, and you open up your Bible, and you read that, or your journal, or wherever you're taking notes, and you read that, and you go back, and you begin to read that story again, and God begins to speak to you. And I'm just telling you, there's something more than just hearing the word. We need to, be, we need to receive the word tonight. And maybe you're just like Gideon. Maybe you relate. Maybe you felt the way that he felt. Maybe sin has oppressed you and it's kept you under its thumb. But it's time that you rise up and you overcome. It's time that you rise up and you conquer. It's time to walk, let me say it this way, in a new authority. And I'm going to get to this because I can't get ahead of myself. But make note of that. It's time to walk in a, in a new authority. Because God is calling you to live out your faith like you've never lived it out before. And the first step is you got to receive, okay, God, you said I'm a mighty warrior. I'm going to believe it. Okay. I don't see it in myself, but I receive it. God, I just have to believe that if you said it, you see it. And if you see it, I'll receive it. And Gideon in that day traded those excuses. He traded those excuses in for the call and the purpose and the destiny that God had over his life. Because what we see in the verses that follow is that Gideon would go out into his city that night and he would tear down the idols that were his father's idols. That he would tear down what they were called these Asherah poles, these things that they would worship. And he tore those things down. And he just didn't tear them down. He then built an altar and he burned them. And he said, okay, God, if you've called me a mighty warrior, let me put a little action behind my belief. And that's what receiving looks like. And watch this, because the first part is that you have to receive the call, but the second part is that you have to believe the call. And Gideon didn't just receive it, but then he began to believe it. He's like, okay, yeah, if God said that about me, then I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to go out and I'm going to tear down these false idols. I'm going to tear down these generational curses. I'm going to tear down these things that people have been worshiping that they shouldn't be worshiped. I'm going to take hold of these and I am going to build an altar for God in my city rather than an altar for Baal. And so he goes out and he begins to take authority and believe the call that God put on his life. There's a shift that happened when Gideon believed. He went through the process of doubt. You see that. I read it to you. He went through the process of doubt. In fact, you'll see it. He's walking this process. And can I just tell you that it doesn't all happen at once? Wouldn't you like that it just all happened at once, that in one night it's like, boom, I'm instantly changed. I believe everything. I am perfected. I am walking out this Bible with no problem. I never sin. I never. Gideon is still walking this thing out. And so God tells him, hey, you're going to gather an army. And with this army, you're, you're going to go and you're going to, uh, going to slay the Midianites. And and so he says, okay, God, if this is really true, this is what I'm going to do. He's, he says, I'm going to take a fleece. Think about it this way. He's like, I'm going to take a rug, and I'm going to put it outside my tent. And in the morning, 
if you really want us to go, listen, his, this doubt is kind of playing with him. If you really want us to go, God, then what you'll do is the fleece will be dry and the ground will be wet. So he goes to bed that night. He wakes up the next morning. What happened? The fleece is dry and the ground is wet. So he's like, huh, I still don't know. That is just, this could just be a fluke. So God, tomorrow what I need you to do, fleece wet, ground dry, all right? So it says fleece wet, ground dry. So he goes to bed that night. He comes out the next morning and he feels it and that fleece is soaking wet. And he's like, well, I guess I know what we got to do. I guess that we are headed off to battle. And so he gathers men. He actually gathers 32,000 men. He gathers 32,000 men together. And the word of the Lord comes to him. And he says, the 32,000 are too many. What I need you to do is I want you to ask all of the men, if you're scared, just go home. So he steps up and he says, hey, man, how many of y'all are scared? And about 20,000 of the guys were like, pretty scared. And he's like, all right, cool, you can go home. And he probably makes fun of them as they're leaving. I don't know. I'm kidding. And so those men leave, and he's left with about, I believe it's 10,000. And the Lord comes back to Gideon and says, the army is still too big. I'm sure like Gideon's like, come on, God, you got to be kidding me. Look at the size of their army. And the Lord said something. I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit. But in Judges chapter uh, 7, it says, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. Watch this. They would say, my own strength has saved me. He said, I'm not going to use, get it down. And so he takes them down to the river, and some of them bend down, and they just like slurp water out of the river, and some scoop water in their hands, and they drink water out of their hands. And he says, the ones that went down on their hands and the knees, you can send them home. And the ones that, that scooped it out into their hands, we're going to keep those. And that was about 300. And so Gideon and 300, God said, I'm about to save a nation. I am about to do something incredible in your world, through you, using only 300 men, using a used-to-be farmer that knows nothing about battle, I'm going to use you 300 to conquer this nation. And what I want to tell somebody is you have to despise not the call. Because God will put a call on your life that seems so big, that seems so impossible, that you can get mad and bitter at the call that God has placed on your life. And you can say things like, there's no way that I could ever do it. And we'll get to a place where we will despise the call. But Zechariah 4.10 says this way, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work, what? Begin. We got to start somewhere. Man, I could have gone, you know what, God? There's a lot of big churches in Frisco. Why don't I just go to one of those churches? In fact, this was the exact thing, almost word for word, that I told God at my last church. I told God, I said, this is a great church. I said, I can root myself here. I can serve this church. 
and I can reach people right here at this church, and everything will be fine. You know what God's response to me was? That's a cop-out. You're running from the hard thing. You're running from the task that I called you to do. And I would just say to somebody today, don't despise the day of small beginnings because you got to start somewhere. That business that you're grinding away on and it feels like, you know what, I, I should just give in because, you know, so-and-so. I, where's Dre at? Where's Dre? Dre, man, some days, where I don't know if you're in here or not, but some days you may feel like, Man, I'm grinding away. I'm, I'm doing this Pilates business. Man, I should just shut the doors and everybody should just go to LA Fitness. No, keep grinding. Don't despise the days of small beginnings because God put that dream in your heart. And if God's put a dream in your heart, guess what? You don't despise the days of small beginnings. It's tough, it's hard, but you grind and you trust God. And guess what? God does the rest and I don't get the victory for it. You don't get the victory for it. At the end of the day, people just go, how in the world did this happen? And we just go, but God. Verse number seven in Judges chapter seven, the Lord said to Gideon, watch this, because I love this. With 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all, all the others go home. And then let's skip down to verse 9. Because Gideon again is having doubts. Gideon again is scared. Gideon again is fearful. So God comes to him again, and he says this. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up and go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. But if you're afraid to attack, what God was saying is, I know you're afraid to tap. Go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you're going to be encouraged. So this is what he said. He said, I want you to go down to the enemy's camp, and I just want you to listen. I want you to listen to what the enemy is saying about you. So Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. He said, I had a dream that a round loaf of barley, one of those good cheesecake factory pieces of bread. I'm sorry, I hadn't had bread in a minute, y'all. Cheesecake factory bread came rolling down the hill and into the Midianite camp, and it struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. Watch what his friend responded. This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped God. He returned to the camp. Get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. When I read this, this is what God said to me. Even the enemy already knows you win. And if you knew what the enemy was saying about you, you would walk in a different authority. I mean, honestly, if you knew, if you just went to the enemy's camp and you heard that, hey, there's this new church plant in Frisco that we got to be worried about. 
They've been praying for 21 days. They've been fasting. They've been seeking God. They've been waking up early and joining together in prayer. They're looking for a new building, and somebody is actually considering it. I'm a little worried. If you went to the camp of the enemy and you heard what they're saying about you, the dream that you have in your heart, that if you heard the enemy saying, if they actually step into that, if they actually do and walk out what God is asking them to walk out, they are somebody that we have to be worried about. If you went to the enemy's camp and you simply heard him saying, look, they're about to change an entire generation because they're about to tear down generational curses in their family. If you heard what the enemy was saying about you, you would walk in a different authority. And Gideon went back to his camp going, easy victory. It's done. This is a dub. We got it. No problem. Guys, let's roll. And that's exactly the way that we should walk. We should walk in victory. We should walk in a new authority that says, God, wherever I go, you've already gone ahead of me. God, wherever my foot goes, you said that the footsteps of the righteous are ordered. So God, in Jesus' name, here, grab my foot and lead it where it needs to go. And Lord, if I need to turn and head a different direction, then grab my foot and point me in the right direction because the footsteps of the righteous are ordered. So if you're in the lead, God, I don't have anything to worry about because I'm not gonna get the victory. Come on, God's going to get the victory tonight. And you'll walk in a different authority when you understand that the enemy is under our feet. The fourth point is that you gotta walk out the call. You got to walk out the call. He attacked your family. He attacked this ministry, trying to kill it, trying to stop it. And what God is going to do in this city, he was trying to squelch it out, put out the flame, put out the fire. He thought that he could hit us hard enough that we would give up and that we would be scattered, but we didn't give up. We didn't back down. We got ticked and we went on the offensive And we took the fight to the enemy's doorstep. We may be small, but I'm going to tell you this. We're mighty. I'm not going to despise the day of small beginnings. Why? Because God is in it. Hebrews chapter 1039 says, but we do not come from those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. I'm telling you, we're the ones that are going to stand up in our faith, knowing who we are, knowing the call, knowing the purpose, knowing that we have the victory. Because one day I'll hear this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. But we're going through a growing season. We may have gone through a trial season, but what I believe is when we're faithful with the little, God says, okay, Restoration Church, you'll be rulers of much. Let me put it in this. You were faithful in the tithe and the offering. I'm going to make you rulers of much. You were faithful to walk out the days and disciple people and walk with people and build things. So, I'm going to bring more people because I know that I can trust you to continue to do what you've already been doing. 
40 people got baptized, and that's great. And we're walking that life out with them, seeing this, them discipled and growing their relationship with Christ. But it doesn't stop with there. Who's to say that next year, 2025, we don't baptize 100 people? Because we don't despise our small days because God says, if you're faithful with the little, guess what? I'm going to make you a ruler over much. That you're going through it right now, and it may seem like you're just in the grind and nothing is taking traction, but all it takes is one contract, boom, and everything changes in your world. All it takes is meeting the right person at the right time that can bring the funding in your business, that can bring everything that you need. It just takes the right person at the right time. I'm just telling you, God is bringing connections in our life as he sees that we can be faithful with the little. We will be rulers of much. And I speak that over our church today. Man, I speak that over Restoration Church. We've been faithful. We've been faithful in our finances. We sowed into uh, missions when we didn't have to sow into missions. But what did we do? We trusted God and we said, God, you're going to provide. We had this budget set that was uh, a crazy, unrealistic budget that I didn't even know how God was going to do it. But guess what? Last year, God did it. I, I, I just, I don't understand how everything is just making sense and adding up, but Time after time, God just keeps coming through. And I want to tell you that if we will be faithful, God is going to come through. I want to close with, with these two things. The band can come back. We're going to pray. We're going to take communion. And then uh, we're going to pray. And I'll give you some instructions on that here in just a second. But I would say these three things to you that you have to do. You got to see it. You got to see it the way God does. And if you can't see it, you need to pray for God's vision. If you can't see it tonight, you need to pray for God's vision. God, let me see it the way you see it. Let me see the victory the way that you see it. Let me see it. And then second, you got to say it. You got to declare it over yourself in faith. There's something that happens when you speak it, when you begin to talk about it. There's something that happens if, you, if you'll just begin to declare those things in truth, in boldness. You got to see it. You got to say it. And then you have to seize it. You got to walk it out. The call that he's placed on your life. See it. Say it. Seize it. Man, I hope all week long you'll just walk around going, see it. Say it. Seize it. God, I see it. Okay. All right. I see it. I'm going to say it because sometimes we got to encourage ourselves and build our own faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Sometimes we're going to hear it when we actually declare it ourselves. Don't wait for somebody else. Don't go be in your prayer closet. Lord, send somebody today just to speak it over me. Why don't you speak it over yourself? Why don't you declare it over yourself? Stop waiting for somebody else to speak it over you. No, I'm speaking it over myself. I see it. I say it and I seize it. Then I'm going to walk in it. And if God wants you to do something, what, what action do you need to put behind that see it and say it? Because seeing it and saying it doesn't make it happen. Seeing it and saying it isn't going to make it come to fruition or, or come to pass. I see it, I say it, I seize it. I pick up the phone and I make a phone call. Y'all, we've been, I, I'll make this announcement. This is super exciting for us. Since before we planted the church, we've been calling this one location and asking them to rent to us. Time and time again, hey, would you rent to us? And it's just a Sunday rental. 
hey, would you rent to us on Sundays? Schools don't want to play nice. They'll only give you, uh, in Frisco, they'll only give you uh, like one, one area. And that's great. But, you know, to really do church, you need multiple areas. And that's just, they're not wanting to do that. And that's okay. That's their policies. That's all right. And there's this one place that we wanted. And I promise you, I, we've called 20 times. 20 times. And I called the beginning of January. And I said, hey, we need a place to have our Easter service. We had nowhere, by the way. All venues are, are booked or closed or can't do it. And so we called, and it was like, no, we changed all of our rental policies. We don't rent on Sundays anymore. So my wife is a seize it kind of a person. She's very much a I don't take no for an answer kind of a person. And so she gets the wise idea to... Um, to email one of our city councilmen and really just share our heart. And the city councilman reaches out to the person. That person reaches out to us, and they said, yes, you can host your Easter services at the Grove. And it's a beautiful facility. I can't wait for you guys to step in foot. And what we're praying right now, not... I, as, as you pray, continue to pray over the coming weeks. Right now, we've got a, a maybe on a building that would be, you know, our building Monday through Sunday. Do ministry. And even that was a no. That was a no. And on this one, I was like, all right, I'm going to seize it. And I called a friend, and I was like, you got to know somebody here. And he called, and they were working together already on three really big deals and she's like, well, Steve, if you're involved, that changes the story a little bit. I told you, it's the person, right? So there, there may be. And then this other place, the Grove, is a maybe for us leasing on Sunday mornings full time. So this is what, this is our prayer. And I just want you to know this because, you know, we've talked a lot about vision and where we see ourselves going in the future and I do know that it's a building, but if a building puts too much financial strain on us right now, God may shut that door and go, hey, let's go this route first so that you can grow and be in a place to where you can then sustain this. And by the way, Craig, that building's too small for you. I'm going to get you something bigger anyway, right? I mean, and so just pray this. This is my prayer specifically over that. My prayer is that, God, you're going to shut one door and you're going to open one door. And Revelation says that Jesus is the man that shuts the door that nobody can open. It doesn't matter how many people I know or call or city councilman or Steve or whoever. If God shut the door, guess what? It ain't opening. And that's what I want. I want God to shut the door. Whatever door is not the door, shut the door. I don't care if we went to the mayor. And the mayor is like, nah, the door is shut. I'm like, okay, well, then you shut that door. God, I'm going to keep knocking at this one. And so what we're praying is that God will clearly shut one and clearly open the other. And we're going to believe that, that God is going to do it. And this would be the thing that the enemy would try to whisper to me, you're too small to afford it. You're too small to get in it. If you try to get in, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, it's going to be, well, listen, I walk in a different authority than what the enemy walks in. 
<laughs> and when I walk in that authority, I happen just to walk with him under my feet. So I happen just to trample on top of him. And that's why he doesn't want us to take that authority because he realizes that he's under our feet and that we do walk on top of him and that we do trample him. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Restoration Church. Or if you haven't already, you can download our Restoration Church app. There you will find more about who we are as a church and how to get connected.